0: What's up, guys? It's a new week, and that means a new WGT closest to the whole challenge. But first, we have to announce last week's winner coming to us with a Twitter submission. At MichaelSkarn770 is going to take home the grand prize, somehow managing to hit the ace with the fairway wood from over 200 yards out. He put it in the hole to win himself a free DNVR shirt or gift card to a local restaurant restaurant. If you're out there, go ahead and email us at lindsay at thednvr.com that's l-y-n-d-s-e-y at thednvr.com to claim your prize. For everyone else, we have another week of competition coming for your chance to win. All you have to do is go to freewgt.com to download the game and play. Once you have downloaded the game, go to the closest to the whole challenge, and this week's course is Congressional Whole number. Number six. It's another long distance challenging one. You're going with a fairway wood again. This time you have some water to contend with. Gonna be a tough one. I think I hit it to about sixteen feet. AJ's first attempt, he put it right in the water about hundred feet away. So not gonna be easy, but freewgt.com, congressional hole number six. Get your chance to win the free DNBR shirt this week and get your next entry for the grand prize, which is still tickets to an Avs game. Or, uh, if you're out of states, a jersey of your choosing. Two fantastic prizes. We're starting to come down to the end of the year here, so that grand prize drawing will be coming up relatively soon. Get your last couple of entries while you still can. All right, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. And hey, Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. Here's- Suits and Scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfort! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landescock! Collective Hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online at mygreensolution.com and use code dnbr 20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. On today's show, we're going to be diving into the Abs All Decade team as all of DNVR has kind of been working through that as we come to the end of the year. But first, a little bit of news, a little bit of recap coverage for you here as the EVs did defeat the Boston Bruins over the weekend, 4-1. to one. This was an impressive performance because the Avs played impeccable defense throughout the majority of this game. Through the first two periods, they held Boston to just eight shots on goal. A.J., We'll get to the injuries as well, but let's start off by taking a look at this game and saying, what can't this Avs team do?
1: Um, Stay healthy.
0: Very, very unfortunately true. Staying healthy is the biggest enemy for this team as of the moment. Thankfully, they find ways
1: to win anyway, it would seem. Yeah. Six in a row. What is it? Eight of their last 11? They're rolling, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's as good as it can get, just about. I mean, they haven't won 10 in a row or anything crazy, but they're getting production from up and down the lineup. Valerina Chushkin scored the first abs goal of that game. Again, that's, what, four goals in six, seven games for him now? Seven games. Yeah, so he's been ridiculously on fire. I... I think both you and I are a little bit skeptical about this level of production continuing, but he's certainly developed into exactly what the Avs wanted him to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's look like the guy went the first 16 games with one point and we saw him day to day. Game in and game out, he was having more of an impact than that. So you felt like, OK, well, process is. Is more positive But the results have to start to drop for him This has to this has to come And uh, it did And so now it's like, okay Well, it came He stays in the lineup, this is easy Now it just has to continue You know, it doesn't have to continue At this rate, but um, Certainly as the forward core Gets healthier um, He's got to continue To find ways to be productive And you know, until until he's not, you don't have to worry about him. It does seem
0: like the Avs can rely on players to continue to step up as Val Nichushkin has been kind of all over the lineup, right? He's been getting as much time as second-line minutes depending on who's hurt that night and, and what spots need to be filled. And he's been able to produce, and they're getting that from – Andre Burakovsky back in the lineup just Mm -hmm. scored his 12th goal of the year. That's as many as he's had in a season ever. Landis God comes back into the lineup, immediately starts producing same for Calvert, same for whoever else came back. Who am I forgetting?
1: I mean, at some point, all of them,
0: right. It doesn't matter. Everyone who comes back into the lineup seems to immediately pick up where they left off and start producing. So a lot of things are going right that aren't,
1: injuries right now. Yeah, um I mean everybody keeps waiting for the bubble to burst, right? Uh and and it's it's those who don't believe that it will are, you know, that's the crux of the they don't need Taylor Hall argument is well, it's not like they're going to score 5 goals a game with him. And true enough, like you don't expect that adding one guy would suddenly make you the most prolific offense in NHL history. But you do expect that at some point these guys who have never shown this, who are all in the midst of career years, you know, everybody gets a career year every once in a while um, in a, you know, in a, on a team, you have guys who have career years every so often, but right now the avs are on pace to have like five or six guys have career best seasons. And that's a lot.
0: It's so some of that is by design, right? Someone like Burakovsky who's getting opportunities, you expect that out of someone like a Matt Calvert, a Pierre Edward Belmar who's really playing bottom six minutes as normal. It just happens to be producing a stunt a ton at the early parts of this season. That's where you might expect to see a little bit of a drop.
1: Yeah the the Nieto Calvert Belmar. I mean, even Donskoy. Like, Donskoy's had a solid career uh, of being a 30-point guy, and now all of a sudden he's on pace for 70? Like, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's not that guys are on pace for career best seasons. It's that it's that. It's that Donskoy Don has 25 points in 29 games, and, you know, he had, what, 39 points last year, where it was like, hey, if the Avs can get 39 points out of Donskoy again this year, 37 points last year, which was a career year. And the abs came in saying, hey, if they could get 37 again, they would be very pleased with that. Right. And they're on pace for more than double that. And you're like, hmm. Right. He, he's got 25 points in 29 games. And you're like, well, all right. Uh, all of his career marks, you know, shooting 20% and stuff like that. So it's just that the depth has been unreasonably hot. Yep. I think that's. A fair assessment. There's just
0: by the law of averages, it's bound to cool down a little bit. And that's where bolstering the offensive systems could come into play.
1: Yeah. And that's like, that's the conversation, right? And we don't need to get into all that again, but that's, that's where you want to see the the team. That's where they have an opportunity to upgrade because even at full strength, a hundred percent health, you're still looking around your lineup and you're saying, look, there there are places where we can upgrade. It's not like this is a finished product.
0: Well, at the rate the Avs have been going, they would trade for Hall and find out he's immediately injured. So some more injury news. It sounds like it's not that bad of news. Kadri does remain out. Grubauer mm-hmm. and Kale McCarr both join him on the I don't think they've officially been placed on the IR, but they are injured listed as day-to-day I believe Bednar said Makar could possibly play in the next week
1: but don't expect it uh so Mike Chambers uh I believe it was Chambers asked uh, are you confident that Makar will play this week and he said Bednar responded by saying confident is a strong word but there's a possibility so we'll see It doesn't sound like they're planning on it, but they're leaving the door open for it to happen if things go well. You just never really know with injuries, and that's why they use the day-to-day designation, is because he could be back tomorrow, he could be back in five days. We just don't really know. I mean, way better day-to-day than week-to-week or month-to-month, put it that way. Right, like day-to-day is significantly better than indefinitely you know, or out for the season or, you know, we'll long-term, you know, like with Colin Wilson, they were like, we'll see him maybe never again.
0: Given the players that we're talking about here and they the starting goaltender and potentially the best defenseman on the team, certainly one of the top three best defensemen on the team in Kale McCarr, the fact that it's not a long-term problem is, I don't want to say it's good because the injuries are really starting to pile up right now, but it's the best you could hope for in a bad situation.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's, it's comforting knowing for now it's comforting, you know, we'll, we'll, see when he, how long it takes him to actually get back. And, you know, right now we're like, oh, it could have been worse, but fast forward two weeks and he could still be day to day. So we'll you know, right now it feels like an optimistic look. Um, Cadre looked like he was honestly fine out. I I don't. I I have to trust what they're doing because uh, they have had a lot of success having guys come back into the lineup and be ready to produce right away and not have to shake a lot of rust off. So it's hard for me to criticize how they've gone about this process. But Cadre looks all right. Grubauer looked all right this morning, and Grubauer afterwards was available to the media. Um, McCarr and Kadri were not. And so that tells you that's that's always a dead giveaway that, hey, these guys are fine. Yeah,
0: it's a bit of an interesting situation there as well. Grubauer was expected to back up Franzos tonight against Calgary, and then they called up Adam Werner, probably just to security measure for the most
1: part, I assume. No reason to risk Grubauer playing. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to assume that that one is just... Uh, just feeling like they have, they have the opportunity to. Right. You know, like if something happens with Francois or if honestly, if he just gets lit up, then you can still pull him and feel like maybe you can, you can continue. You can keep a game of it. Um, but with, uh, with Grubauer, you would not have that luxury. And since the Eagles are at home and they're, you know, they're not playing until I think Friday. I mean, this is one of the things that you like about having your farm team up the road is that you can, you can play it safe for one for one day and just sit a hour for the extra and and be fine. Yep, one hundred percent. I
0: agree with that. The long and the short of it is injuries are becoming the most common reason as to why I drink this season. <laughs> so it's Time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. Today, let's talk about AJ's favorite, the Strawberry Sky, because sometimes you just need something easy to drink through the tears of all the injuries that are happening to the abs.
1: (laughs) This got so dramatic.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm trying to take a page out of your book in the OC, okay? Oh my god. You gotta play it up a little bit.
1: Such a hater.
0: (laughs) Well... I might not like the OC, but I do like the Strawberry Sky and pretty much every other beer that Breckenridge Brewery makes. Can't recommend them enough. I drink all of their beers pretty much whenever I feel like having a drink. So highly recommend you check them out. You can find them at your local liquor store or Davidson's or wherever you might buy your beer. And you can also get a taste of them at the next Avalanche Watch Party, which is up on the website. You can go through the Breckenridge event calendar. It's going to be scheduled for December 18th. That is not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Come out. We can hang out, watch some fun abs hockey without AJ because he's too cool and has to go to all the games. But the rest of us will enjoy some Breckbrew, enjoy some abs hockey, and it'll be a good time. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. It's Monday. And it's time to talk a little bit about the Avs all-decade team. We're going to start in goal, and it's pretty much no contest for this decade. The most impactful goalie in for the Avs is Semyon Varlamov by a wide, wide margin for both good and bad reasons. One capable of nearly winning a Vesna, maybe even deserved to win a Vesna trophy in this decade. Number two, well, his groin just did not survive, did it?
1: It didn't want to. (laughs) It tried to give out multiple times. Yep.
0: It definitely had its fair share of issues throughout the decade as well. And yet Varley will still... Depending on how the rest of Grubauer's career goes with the Avalanche, as of now, Varley is the second-best goaltender in the Avalanche's history by a a lot.
1: It's Patrick Wass, Simon Varlamov, and then I don't even know who three would be. At that point, you're having like uh, the Craig Anderson-Jose Theodore conversation, I guess. Might throw Budai in there even. He might throw Budai in there just because he was a he was a quality backup for a long time who just could never quite get over the hump as a starter. Yeah. Pretty soon, uh, you'll be able to make the uh, argument for Philip Grubauer is the hope. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, by the end of this season, he might be the third best goalie ever on the Avs. Yeah. And one more, really, like one more good year as a starter. And I think he would take that, take that mantle. Just goes to show you has not been in a, a outside of Wah. Um And I guess Marley really has not been an illustrious position for the avalanche. But I mean, like you get, you get essentially two decades out of two guys. You did. Okay. You know, most, most franchises are, would probably be envious of that stability. So, um, you know, and with, with Varley, it was always the groin and, um, you know, there, there were the off ice issues that I think we can't, we can't tell the story of Varley, uh, Varley's time as an AV without bringing it up. Um, You know, obviously I worked that the, the civil, the civil trial and, and, and ultimately it ended up not being a. Not not being a the, an incident that occurred the way that it, it was, was alleged claimed. to have yeah. happened have happened yeah and you know was a was an ugly moment and how the Avs handled it was an ugly moment you know he he was allowed to practice with the team they supported him full stop um he played they did never they did never pull him off the ice they did never uh sit him down and say hey we. We think that while this process, while the legal process plays out, that you should uh, maybe just, you know, take a break. And that's that's kind of the standard way uh, that, that teams get
0: handled these days. Right, teams
1: yeah. get, and you remember the the Kings, how much flack they received when Voinov was practicing. Right, because well, Voinov was gone. He was away from the team. And then they allowed him to come back. And practice with the team randomly, and then, you know, it was not great. It was not a great reception, so that ended. Um, but, you know, the Avs and Varlamov, you know, ultimately, um, I guess, vindicated in the long run. I would have liked to have seen the Avs handle it a little bit differently, but, you know, that's not really the point of this. It's It's just, we just had to bring it up. You know, we have to acknowledge that that was was part of Varley's history. Yeah. Um, Part of the complicated feelings that he elicits in a lot of people. It's certainly
0: not an easy thing to to mesh the off-ice and on-ice conversations together like that. And it's, I mean, that's a tough part of it. The Avs, Mm -hmm. they basically... Didn't really acknowledge it. I mean, obviously, they, they released a statement saying they're aware of the issues and all that, but essentially ignored all the trial side of everything until it was decided, and things went in Varley's favor, so that worked out okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and like, just because that one incident had, you know, was, was proven, you know, through an exhaustive investigative process, you know, to have, to have not happened the way it was uh, claimed to have doesn't mean that there weren't other things, you know, doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, that there wasn't other stuff that happened. It just means that that one incident, you know, uh, there was somebody who responded to our top 50 list and said, Oh great. A wife beater. And it's just like, it's like, look, it's just not accurate. There are, likely more details they could be good they could be bad but the reality is the public
0: is just never going to know them
1: for sure and you know that's that's just the way that it is uh the reality is on ice varley second best uh abs goalie in history and best certainly best of the decade um any any particular varley moments that that stick out to you as like those, you know, those things, eight years of being their starting goaltender. Are there any games that you remember off the top of your head where you're like Barley? Um, so I wouldn't say
0: one game in particular, just knowing with Barley, when
1: the Avs go into Chicago, that they're going to win. Well, and that's that's the one that I remember. Yeah. The 54 save shutout. Fair. In 2018, when the Avs went in there and they blew them out 5 nothing, But Varley stopped all 54 shots. And that was always, always, always his building. He owned the United Center. He owned Chicago for whatever reason. It was just, that was just his team. Like, And we've seen, you know, the Avs have been on the other end of that. Plenty. You know, you, a guy like Colton Sissons, you know, has, has a hat trick against them, for example, where you're just like, dude, like what's going on here?
0: Just some freak all, everything aligns for that player against a certain team and things just go their way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And in looking at it, um, in looking at his career splits right now, his highest safe percentage, uh, against a particular opponent, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, it is. It's, I it's think tied. it's got two other teams he's tied with, but Chicago's one of them. And then, was it, it must have been
0: the 2017 18 season where Varley got run late in the year by the Blackhawks. I think it was Shaw. <laughs> uh, it was Thomas Jerko. Oh, it was Jerko. You're right. Yeah. And he gets hurt and is out for. Us, the rest they to up through the end of the season. Basically. Those are the two things that I remember. He's insane against Chicago and he gets hurt all the time. Basically.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, the 54 save shutout. Uh, the other thing that I'll, I'll remember about Varley the most is uh, him learning English. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sounds kind of funny. Like it's kind of an awkward memory to, to to take with, but I remember time he would do those post-game on-ice interviews. Yep, yep. When he first got to the Avs, they were rough. And I like that. Thank you. And it was it was a work in progress. You know, it was it was a little iffy. And then by the end though, I I mean, I remember his last home game uh, when he played he played for the Avs last year. Uh, when he came in for Grubauer and locked it down, you know, in a game they had to win. And he was spectacular. And I talked to him after the game and it was a full conversation. And I said, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. But did you allow yourself to think that this might be the last time that you play in front of these fans? And he he got a little wistful on me. <laughs> and and said you know i hadn't i hadn't really thought about it but now that i'm standing here you know maybe that is the last time that that i that i, I play in pepsi center as as a member of the Avs and what they've meant to me is you know they've meant everything to me and on you know all the all the all the normal like player loves his team's fans stuff after that um but i just i just a good way for him to go out an appropriate way uh after he'd you know, Grubauer had kind of just taken the job from him and run with it. They still needed him one last time and he came up for him. And now he gets to enjoy playing
0: behind a Barry Trot system and crushing it in New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, still get to enjoy watching him play.
0: <laughs> that makes one of us, I guess. Yeah. I actually don't mind the aisles that much, to be honest, but That's a good let's answer. talk. Let's talk about some (laughs) of the players that were in front of Varley in his time with the Avs as well. Talking about the defense, it's got to start with Eric Johnson. He's been here essentially the entire decade. He's been the Avs number one defenseman for the majority of that time. Maybe you could argue all of it. You could argue that he, probably not this year, but up until this year, he was the number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Another player whose time here was significantly marred by injuries that really did, I think, held him back a lot, particularly when he was first starting to to really grow as a player. He came to this Avs team and they didn't have the expectations of him being that first overall pick. He looked like he was on an upper trajectory, particularly offensively. Then he had to deal with those knee problems and it's been a recurring theme of injuries for him through there
1: yeah, and this is what an injury prone player's career looks like um you know when we, we people talk about the Taylor Hall stuff, you know you look at the first half of his career and like totally but the second half of his career and it's just the one season this is a guy you know 2017 eighteen missed twenty games year before that played forty six games. You know, it has been, it has regularly struggled to get to that 80 game mark. You know, it has only done it twice uh, for the Avs, for example, um, and has only gotten to the 70 game mark four times. So, and when you consider that he's been here since 2011, <laughs> you know, um, he has, he has, God, he has seen a lot of. He has been a part of a lot of bad hockey in his time here. And it's hard to watch him decline the way that he has so far, uh, knowing that the real best that he had to give was probably taken from him. Uh, yeah,
0: not not just the injury issues, but his best hockey was played when the abs were, well, not their worst, I guess, but certainly not a playoff team
1: yeah well and you look at his the year he stayed healthy with that on that 13-14 team he's 25 years old he's healthy and he puts up 39 points career high and you know was playing 23 minutes a night and just did so much for that club uh, that had a pretty iffy defense and he was such a stabilizing force and he was so good that year and Really, EJ was. It's it maybe even when you talk about the on ice stuff, I think it's even more complicated than Barley Uh, just because there was so much potential. You could see the physical ability was always so special. You know, a guy that's 6'6 and can move the way that he did and had the offensive skills that he did. And to have watched him tap into those less and less every year has been disappointing. Yeah. At the year after the
0: Avs went back to the playoffs in 13-14, EJ looked like a man possessed. I mean, he was on a 20-goal pace that year. Yeah. Got made selected to the All-Star game. Yep. And then that... All-Star break was the beginning of the end, kind of, where he opted not to go because he was going to have his knee scoped. And then they found Mm -hmm. out it required surgery. And it's just such a shame that this was a player quickly developing into a two-way defenseman that could provide what you're looking at at 40 points in a healthy season. Mm -hmm. And then it was just gone. And it never came back.
1: And, and and as a top defender, even giving you 35 points is spectacular production uh, for a guy that's going to be heavy, 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 heavy defensive usage uh, and, you know, and is not and is not like a dominant offensive talent, you know, so do, that they were that they were likely getting that kind of <clears throat> that kind of uh that, that kind of production out of him and then it just you're right it was gone and that was it it just it has not come back um the offensive the offensive game you know and some of this is role right he he has not had and he's not played power play time the last couple of years you know last year really the last two years um almost all of his points have been even strength basically since the have got gerard yeah yeah, pretty much. He he's had three uh three power play points and one shorthanded point in the last three years, and
0: we're seeing the role continue to develop. Right as when he came back from the initial spurts of injury, he took on this massive role where he was playing twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight minutes a night, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I think that wore him down even more
1: there's only so many miles. There's only so much mileage in the knee. Right. And I think that we see him, we've talked about it on this, on the show a bunch, uh, the way that he manages himself these days. Um, you know, he's out right now. Don't even really know what it is. Just dinged up. And. What yeah, it was went from, day
0: And then it became week to week.
1: What went from like, Oh, well, you know, and this is going back to the last segment when we talked about this, but. You know, EJ it was this is a short term thing, and then it's dragged on. Yep. You know, he's gonna miss his customary ten games at this point.
0: It's been a few episodes since we've said that availability is a skill and it's one EJ has struggled with.
1: Yeah, the maybe the the, the one fight that he has lost in his career. Certainly didn't lose a fight to Zach Ronaldo, that's for sure. You know, talking about favorite moments, that's one of mine. Um, yeah, because EJ has always had the physical presence to be a dominant guy. You know, when when he was drafted, it was oh my gosh, are we getting another Chris Pronger? And no, nowhere near that kind of nastiness defensively, right? But when Zach Ronaldo spun around and knocked out Sam Gerrard in Arizona, we got a pretty good idea of how much Eric Johnson cared about his teammates that night, uh, because he beat the ever-loving holiness out of Zach Ronaldo along the boards, like grabbed him and dragged him away from his teammates because it was his time. And it's it's funny. I don't know if funny is the right word. It's it's maybe telling that this is the thing that sticks out the most in in my mind, maybe even yours too. And about EJ's time in Colorado, that this is my first memory of Eric Johnson. Um, but the leadership has always been there. The passion for his teammates and the the passion for playing for this organization, especially, has always been there. And it was never more evident the night that Zach Ronaldo. Sucker punch Sam Gerard.
0: There were a lot of years where there were not many guys in that locker room that wanted to be mm-hmm. in Colorado. EJ has always wanted to be here.
1: Always. And even now, you know, the fans are so excited about Bowen and environment, and Connor Timmins that it's like, okay, EJ's a bum. Let's get rid of him. But you can't have all kids. You gotta have at least you gotta have at least one adult in the mix and Knowing that, EJ is a pretty good adult to have around. Definitely.
0: Running a little bit long here, but that's what we do with an all-decade team. Let's finish up the defense. Tyson Berry got to be the other one. He owns pretty much every defensive player record, at least on the offensive side mm-hmm. in Avs history. It's a no-brainer to put him on the all-decade team. It, <laughs> the trade is... Something else entirely. It's almost something that in the future I'm going to, in my mind, think of as next decade. But Tyson Berry, the player, is an interesting case. Does he become the NHLer that he is without a Patrick Waugh at the
1: helm for the Avs? We'll never know. Yeah. You know, he, it was weird that he was one of the few young players that Waugh was totally comfortable unleashing because right. we saw you know we saw with uh Miko Rantanen yeah he wanted to play him on the fourth line as a center right he and did not want him in his rookie year was hesitant uh to to call him up uh and and put him as a major part of the lineup in year 2 did not like he he was he did not want Miko Rantanen's job to be secure in Ranton in second year and that was one of the many disagreements that led to his departure that summer. And with Tyson Berry it was just never a problem. You know, he he came up that first year in 2012-2013, got a cup of coffee, showed what he could do, got lit up defensively, but put up some points and all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's there might be something here. And went back to uh Lake Erie to start off and then came back up and never, never looked back, just took off. And strange that Wall was the guy that just took the reins off and said, all right, go be you. And we saw his first year, Jared Bednar showed up and put the reins back on him and said, we need you to play defense. And then realized the best way to get the best out of Barry was to let him go and to, you know, be, be, is a wild Mustang, man. You can't break him. You just let him be the Maple Leafs. learned that lesson the hard way real fast. Yeah. Well, when you look at, you know, Jared Bednar got the best out of him. He got 57 points in 68 games and 59 points in 78 games. And those are some of my biggest Tyson Berry memories too. You know, the two years ago, he had the five assist game or the five point game in Vancouver. Uh, where he and McKinnon just dominated. And being, you know, from that area, it was, it was a big game for him and five points that night. I mean, five points from a defenseman. Good Lord. Barry's a funny one, right? Because the
0: joke is, oh, you know, he, he shoots from the point and it gets blocked by the first defenseman all the time. He fires it into shins and all that. But the abs without Tyson Barry is a massive adjustment because of how often he actually got the shot through. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'd, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a clouded memory, but the fact that the guy was good for 12, 13, 14 goals every single year, mm-hmm. reliable wrist shot from the point, particularly in those last couple of years, he added an extra five, 10
1: miles an hour to that shot. And it was wicked when he'd figured out how to, he'd figured out, okay, I don't need to pick corners and I'm I need to get it up off the ice. And he had figured out how to to place it, you know, kind of when a goalie goes down in the butterfly, kind of in between the the goaltender's arm, like put it in the armpit area where it's still, if it gets tipped, it's, it's still going on net. Uh, and if it doesn't, it's still going to be a tough save for the goalie. So, uh, it, you know, he had figured that out and he'd figured out how to get it through traffic. Uh, without, without trying to make it so perfect all the time. And, you know, we've seen the abs miss that element of it at the, on, on their power play this year, you know, nobody's, nobody's sitting around pining for Tyson Berry uh, over Kale McCarr. That's not at all happening. Uh, it's just that the, the, the power play for Colorado is different because Kael McCarr is not the same kind of shooter from the point. Kael McCarr is very dangerous when he skates into space, gets himself closer. It's where we've seen almost all of his goals come from. Is from him skating in. With Barry, it was just a little different, and you know Barry was great in his own regard and at, at what he at what he did.
0: Yep, one hundred percent. I definitely a player that I think the vast majority of Avs fans will look back on fondly
1: yeah absolutely Um, you know you could still you could celebrate Barry's career and his time here uh, and acknowledge that he was a flawed player obviously you know defensively he wasn't great and nobody ever tried to make the argument he was even him there was never any confusion there but he was he was great at what he did he was worth celebrating and you know We can cut this one short just because we've already we've talked so much about Barry and all that in the last six months that, you know, we don't really need to. Right. I I think we've covered our our
0: thoughts on him enough. So what he is going to do is get paid a ton of money in this coming off season as a free agent. So he might be in a new tax bracket and there's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbiotax and administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own here at DNVR and George at Symbiotax is a proud subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional like George to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O tax.com third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by the Green Solution. I'm still Rudo. He's still AJ. We've talked about the goalies. We talked about the defensemen. Now it's time to have that forward conversation. One of them, very, very easy. Gabe Landeskog. He's been the second longest tenured captain in Avalanche history. He has been with the team essentially the entire decade. He's been the leader of the team essentially the entire decade. He's been on the Avs' top line essentially the entire decade. He embodies every bit, good and bad, of this Avs' decade, essentially. Well said. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Let's get out of here. (laughs) Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's just that easy. But Great hair. He had great hair. Hard to argue. Still haven't still haven't figured out what his hair routine is. I know a lot of people have been asking about it, so something we got to get on for sure. But Landy, I feel very good for Gabe scog because his first five, six, seven years, other than that 13-14 season, have been a struggle with this team and – as the captain, it feels like he's finally entering his time to be that leader that takes the abs to the promised land.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's taken some time, a lot of bumps along the way, but it's happening. It's happening right in front of us, man. I did a huge feature on him last year that this is a different guy. This is a breakout Landis cog <clears throat> on a breakout avalanche. I, that sums it up pretty well. I,
0: we, really don't have a ton to say about the guy. He's still 27 years old. He's still a key piece of the organization. I like we will be for a large portion of the next decade as well. And that's exciting to know that he was already a key piece and will continue to be, I guess.
1: Yeah. And new contract coming up, so, you know, until that gets done, I guess you could say it's always a concern. Um, but that's something I'm terribly worried about from Colorado's perspective. I think that that's a guy who uh, has made it pretty pretty clear he wants to be here. Yeah, you usually don't
0: go uh, low-balling your guy you made captain at age 20 either, so. I guess it was 19 even. Yeah. So,
1: you know, a guy that asked specifically to not be traded to, to stay here. Right. Wanted to be part of all of this. You don't let that, you don't get cute messing with that guy's contract. Just as you get really, really good. Exactly. That's, it's, <laughs> I don't feel like that will be an acrimonious uh, negotiation whatsoever.
0: No, uh, no holdouts in that one. Hopefully. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, UFAs can't hold out. And they just go to different teams. Uh, no, no
0: long winded contract process, I guess I should
1: say. You sure okay. hope it's not pro- protracted. You never know, but you sure hope it's not.
0: Yep. So that's the easy one. Landeskog, easy lock for that. The next one, despite not being here for the first three years of the decade, four years, I guess, if you count. 2010 Nathan McKinnon it, it has to be he has to be part of the all decade team even with the down years in the earlier parts of the deck well it was the middle of the decade the early parts of his career with the abs he has become the superstar for the avalanche there are other pieces but
1: he is the man again well said I mean the, some of these you know it's it's funny you can talk more about the other guys the big stars everybody knows the story everybody knows the score everybody knows these are these are the studs you know with with McKinnon he was humming along as a fifty to sixty point guy get five points in their first ten games a couple of years ago and then. Landis Scott got got put on the his left wing next to Rantanen and nothing has been the same for the entire franchise. Straight up, they've
0: become a force to be reckoned with, whether it be as a three-headed monster or
1: as McKinnon has proved this year, he's just a beast that can do it with anyone. Well, and that's that's his that's been his development. We we've talked about how that first year it was, "Oh, I'm really good." And he averaged a bunch of his uh Uh, He scored a lot of his points at home and hadn't figured out how to get through the road matchups yet. Last year, he evened that out this year. He has smoothed out the games in which he doesn't score any points and has become a night, a night in night out dominant player. Yep. And that's, you know, and the next, the next step is a heart trophy and a, you know, the uh...
0: it's it's a player in his prime that the Avs have not had since the golden age of the Joe Sakics, the Peter Forsbergs, essentially.
1: Oh, 100 percent. You know, the and the next step is playoff success like those guys had. Yep, exactly. And that's
0: where the Avs are headed, right? They have started to build the pieces, whether it be a Rantanen, whether it be Kadri as the 2C. One player is great. Having the superstar is borderline a necessity the way the league is built right now, despite what the blues did last year mm-hmm. but you don't win championships off of a single player, and McKinnon is doing everything in his power, and now the pieces are starting to come together around him
1: hundred percent it's uh having having him means that everything else they do just feeds into it. It just makes them better because he is so special at the top that it's just, okay, let's build around him. Now that he is locked in, uh, let's just build around this superstar. Yep. Building around him is a really good way to put it. I like that. And we're talking about a guy that is on a hall of fame track right now. You know, it was a slow burn to start his career but he has another 5 or 6 years like he has been and the avs start you know the avs win a stanley cup and he's he's their best player you know you throw you throw a hart trophy and a con smythe in there and it's really really hard to keep a guy out of the hall of fame
0: right exactly not to mention you know and on his current paces he'll be a career point per game player so
1: yeah i mean you're you're talking about a guy that is just special and one that, that were likely, and this is also true of Landeskog, a guy that you could definitely see having, a might be the last guy to ever wear that jersey number for the Avalanche.
0: Yeah, anything with a, a 2 and a 9 in it might not be around very long.
1: <laughs> yep, that combination looks like it might be on lockdown.
0: It's nice to have this exciting tandem of players that have not only been desperately important to the abs in this past decade but will continue to be going forward. And this is where you get into the conversation of the last player on this all decade team. You could probably make an argument for Miko Ranson in there. I think in my opinion and in your opinion there's not enough longevity there.
1: He came into this decade a little bit too late. Too much too much quality competition here because there are with even with Ranton and in the argument, you could still talk about four other guys you know three well, right. three other guys that i I think that you could make arguments for if you were gonna consider miko um so it's you know that that this was the one position where Colorado was good in this decade uh they always had a high end forward hanging around on the roster somewhere most of the time they had multiple, and yeah I would say usually they did have multiple, yeah. <laughs> You know, you look at that forward core in the 13, 14 abs, and it wasn't hard to figure out why that group was able to score goals. You know, the the defense wasn't great. The the coaching wasn't great, but that talent up front, you know, you had on one team, you had Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan McKinnon, and Paul Stastny. That's a pretty dumb
0: down the middle.
1: Granted, half the time, two of those guys weren't playing down the middle. But. Right. And you had to move those guys to the wing. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, Matt Duchesne, and Nathan McKinnon all played a substantial amount of wing uh, because because they were they were just jacked in a way nobody else was. You know, and then you throw Landeskog in there, and P.A. Parenteau was the other, and whoo. And that team scored a lot of points. Yeah, I mean there's a, there's a reason, you know, and with with the avs it didn't it obviously didn't end the way that you wanted, but Matt Duchesne has to be the other guy on this list. You know, Miko Rantanen will be on next decade's list and I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But Duchesne, 09 to to 2017. You know, and hey, the maybe one of the things we don't talk about Matt Duchesne was desperate to get traded out of Colorado, badly wanted out uh, at the end of his time here. But, you know, you go back and you look at the, the last game he ever played, the last full game he ever played in an ad's uniform against the Philadelphia Flyers. And they don't win that game without him. And if they don't win that game, they don't make the postseason that year.
0: I mean, it's top to bottom with him, right? Obviously didn't end how a lot of people wanted it to, but from being drafted as the kid who grew up an Avalanche fan to wanting to be here, particularly through that 13, 14 year as well, you know, he gets injured before the playoffs start and he releases this letter out to the world of saying, I can't wait to get healthy. I can't wait to help this team in the playoffs. He was a big part of the team for the first half of the decade and, and wanted to be successful with the team. It just ended up not happening and things soured after a while.
1: I look at, I look at the abs and Matt Duchesne as high school sweethearts. They, they always, they always had eyes for each other. They thought that this was going to be the, the forever love story for them. Right. And then as they both grew up and as they both got older, Both sides realized that it just wasn't working out anymore and that they needed a change. And both sides, you know, since making the split, he got to go to Nashville. He just sold his house in Denver. He ended up in a city that's a perfect fit for him, uh, personality-wise, off-ice-wise, everything, right? Nashville is the perfect place for Matt Duchesne. And the Avalanche ended up with superstar Nathan McKinnon and, you know, all the other things that have happened, and all the pieces that they got in in the Matt Duchesne trade, so high school sweethearts broke up and grew up and and found their forever loves elsewhere. And you know, it's still, it's still, it's still love song, still love story. It's just not, it just doesn't have the happy ever after ending together. All right, sounds like a Taylor Swift song to me. You know
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, all right, I can get down with Taylor Swift at least. All right not no OC situation. I like Tay Tay.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't like Taylor Swift, some I mean, you got you got deeper issues. <laughs> Fair. Well,
0: I mean, look, what
1: Duchesne
0: has given the Abs as a parting gift is certainly catapulted them perhaps even higher. So, it, while it might not be the successful love story it's like you married her best friend or something. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. That didn't quite work out how I was hoping, but either way, I think the Avs certainly benefited not only from Duchesne playing for the team, but from him leaving as well.
1: Definitely. You know, the, he got the city excited about the team again in a couple of different seasons. And he was a big he was a big part of that, you know. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten, his rookie year, he scores the the shootout goal in Vancouver to clinch the playoffs, and freaks out and you know skating down the ice, losing his mind and and it was a great memory. It was you know it was a, it was a happy it was a happy memory. And then uh, you know the the thirteen fourteen season as a whole, where he also was his best that year. He was very 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 good that year, and you know just uh. just didn't, it just didn't work out in the end. And that's, that's life. Sometimes things don't, but for a while there it was, it was a pretty good run.
0: Yeah. He was ultimately just not the player the abs needed at the time. And it came down to being best for everyone that he moved on. So, Yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. The Matt Duchesne conversation can be a complicated one, but he certainly deserves to be on the all-decade team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So he kind of mentioned the memory there of of the, the shootout goal. Definitely a big one there. I think one a lot of people will unfortunately remember is the celebration after he scored 30 goals for the first time. Yeah. Um,
1: I, prefer to, I prefer to remember the shootout goal in Vancouver.
0: There you go. Stick with the shootout goal on that one. Any, well, a couple of things. First of all, we'll have another episode coming later in the week talking a lot more about moments of the decade, highs and lows, best things just happening beyond the lineup. So keep an eye out for that or an ear out, I suppose. But AJ, final thoughts on the last decade of this team's roster. Um,
1: looking forward to next decade. Definitely. I think, uh, I think we'll have more tangible accomplishments to sift through
0: a little bit of hardware, perhaps in one way or another.
1: Yeah. So, so,
0: there you go. It's an exciting time to be an Avs fan. So sometimes it's good to remember where you came from a little bit. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. TotalBev.com has a fan fantastic offer for you they are hooking up the dnvr fam with 30 that's right 30% off a purchase of $25 or more with a max of $75 because this code is getting used like crazy code dnvr2019 to get in on this deal you can check out online or on the total beverage app which you can download today and as you may or may not know total beverage delivers to pretty much the entire metro area Lakewood, Boulder, Aurora, Brighton, anywhere in between. They have some of the best prices in the state, and they now offer CBD products, drinks, gummies, whatever else. You can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today to get 30% off your purchase between $25 and $75, and you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home. Cheers.